Well, good evening everyone. It's great to see you and welcome to the first of our Tuesday evening reflections for 2021. And with it being a new year, we've decided to take the opportunity to mix things up uh, a little and, and try a different approach. Uh, and the idea is that we'll offer a further reflection on the passage which was preached on uh, at the weekend uh, on a Tuesday evening. Hence the reason why we've gone for the title of Second Thoughts. Very often when you reflect on a passage ahead of preaching on it, you find that there's just so much to say that you can't fit into one sermon. So this is a time when we might want to uh, share reflections like that, or when we might follow up on some comments or feedback we've received. One of my favourite parts of Sunday uh, is something which happens right after our SBC online service. We get together uh, and have a back and forth conversation about the sermon. Uh, we do it over Zoom uh, in a time which we call the foyer. And it's always great to hear other people's questions and thoughts uh, and insights on a passage. It always feels like a very creative conversation because you're not just hearing one perspective on a passage. You get the spark uh, that comes when lots of different experiences and ideas bounce off each other. Uh, and it's a time when we always seem to get more out of the passage because each one of us will see things that others aren't seeing. And I often come away from the foyer thinking, uh, I wish I'd had that insight before the sermon and not after it. Uh, so we're going to do things a little differently and we're going to use this Tuesday evening space to share uh, a further thought on Sunday's passage. A couple of people have spoken to me uh, since Sunday and they've commented on how challenging they find the sermon and uh, the passage which we were looking at, Romans 12. And I was struck by that myself as I was reflecting on it. It, it feels as if there's a whole long list of uh, demands uh, or commandments here, uh, things in that chapter that Paul is asking of the Romans and which he asks of us. Uh, and there's a cost uh, to going with the vision which is laid out for us here. Uh, we can't deny that. Uh, the opening lines of this passage talk about the need for us to offer ourselves as uh, living sacrifices, uh, Paul says. And as I've been mulling all of this over, I found myself thinking about another phrase at the beginning of the chapter, which we didn't dwell on uh, on, on Sunday. Let me read those uh, opening verses to you again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And the words which have stood out for me as I've thought more about this passage are the ones which we find right at the end of verse 2. 
uh, where Paul talks about testing and approving God's will. Uh, and he then describes it as his good, pleasing and perfect will. The word which we have translated here as perfect, uh, it suggests the idea of something which is uh, fully developed. Uh, which has been brought to completion. I find it striking how Eugene Peterson translated this phrase in the message. He puts it like this, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And I read that line and uh, I find myself thinking, I mean, in what sense is God's will perfect? Or, or you could even pose the question this way, in what sense is God a perfectionist? I don't think he's a perfectionist uh, in the way that he's, you know, looking down on us and wagging a disapproving finger every time we get something wrong. I think instead that this stuff matters to him because he wants us to be complete. He doesn't want us to be people who get so far in terms of their faith but don't become fully grown. He wants us to be the very best we can be for him because that brings him glory. That is proper worship. But at the same time, it also turns out to be the very best for us as well. And that's got me thinking about these various commands we find from Paul in Romans 12. I find myself asking, is there a way of looking at them differently? Not as lots of demands which God is making of me, but actually as a description of, uh, you know, the good life, the best sort of life anyone can live. I think that's often a question the Bible asks of us as we read it. What do I really think of as a good life? What really matters to me? What am I going to love and worship and uh, make a priority and, and go after? Uh, and yes, there is a cost to what is asked of us here, but I also think it's fair to say that there is something uh, deeply attractive being described for us. Go back and look again at some of what Paul says. It's a great thing to be really devoted and committed to other people in church in love means you will be in healthy relationship with others. When you're in healthy relationship with others, there's the possibility of, of real flourishing. You know, it's good to share what you have with others and practice hospitality. You, you, you welcome other people into your home and it's, it's a way of making room for them. It's also a way of making room for friendships to grow and deepen, for your understanding of other people to deepen. It's good to bless and not curse. If you curse, if you repay evil for evil, it'll only lead to you becoming embittered. It, it will cause a hardness of heart. It will put you in a very lonely and dark place. Why would you do that? It's got to be better to live in harmony with other people. And it seems to me that what Paul is speaking of here, it's not just the means by which we as Christians or as a church you know, just give out to other people. In this giving, we find God is giving to us as well because we're living the life which is his best for us. It's always the way with God. The path of, of dying to ourselves always 
lead to new life from him, to him giving us the best that he has for us. So if you have time over the next day or two, you might want to return again to Romans 12 and pose this question. In, in what way might these commands and principles be God's invitation to me to become more complete? His way of summoning me towards what is the very best life that he's holding out to me. Time's gone, but uh, let me pray for you now. Gracious God, thank you that you are the one who always has more to give to us, that you are the God who doesn't just want things from us, but you want things for us. You want us to be complete. You want us to be fully formed followers of you. So please lead us towards that goal. And as we reflect on these commands, as we offer hospitality, as we get alongside people in their celebrating or mourning, as we seek to live in peace with others, please make us alert, not just to what we've done for others, but what you're doing for us, to us, how you're changing us, how you're leading us on. Amen. Bye for now, friends, and uh, I'll see you soon.